Hi, Rick Madison, Rick and Friends. And uh, you know what? Today is kind of fun because we're in that time of the year when resolutions and such, they fall by the wayside. And, uh, you know, because I care so much about the listener, I find not just a, a personal trainer, the guru of personal training, and she even has some education on top of that to find out what's going on with the gray matter. Welcome to the big show, Liz Sage. Thank you, Rick. It's nice to see you again. It's been a long time. Been a long time, yes. Now, tell me a bit. Um, so I, I have so many questions, but uh, you have long been known for personal training and you told me you went after an education degree of uh, tell me a bit about that and and why you dove into uh, is it counseling or what else is is yeah. part of this makeup here well what i came to realize when i was working with so many people that closely one-on-one -on -one, there was a lot of individuals who were stuck moving forward in their physical pursuits because they had some challenges emotionally mentally, um, and I was hoping to, you know, move them into another resource, another source, but established relationships with them and they trusted me, but I did not have the skill set to take them to the places where they needed to find solutions for their challenges emotionally. So I decided to go back and get my master's in counseling psychology, and that turned me into a dual practice. So now I have my kin degree, but I also have uh, my master's in counseling, and I work with individuals in office as well as in the studio gym to uh, move them forward. And sometimes that's emotionally and mentally, and other times it's physically uh, with their pursuits for fitness and wellness. So you saw early on the connection, like there's oh, a yes. massive connection. Yeah, there absolutely is. Yeah. And again, sometimes that just keeps people paralyzed you know they just can't move in any direction their back brain is on they're emotionally flooded they can't make decisions and really that's why people come to the helpers whether it's a counselor whether it's an accountant whether it's a personal trainer is that they're looking for a solution and if you are the person who can you know help them you know decide what path to take and support them along the way that gets them the results that they're looking for then you've solved their solution, their problem with the solution, right? So is it, and without diving too far, well, we, we have the time, let's dive. Um, is it, do you go far back? Like, is it for some people, I imagine it's unpacking childhood and, and a whole bunch of other, like, you're probably trying to, to figure out the obstacles to get the results. Is that part and parcel with the... Absolutely. With both, um, you know, endeavors. Uh, because there's always something in the way. And with physical fitness, often it's time. It's um, uh, old habits that are in the way that, that they've got to really just crush and, you know, open them real wide up and make new ones. It's, um, uh, you know, what can I do? Like, what am I capable of doing? Some people, you know, think they have to get in shape to get in shape. <laughs> you know? It's just like, just do something, just start anything. Right. And that's the other thing. Sometimes there's a mindset of, oh, I have to, you know, I really have to um, do this big thing. Like it's a, you know, a huge change and it's so not, you know, the 1% rule. Like if you can change 1% of a dozen things, all of a sudden you have this 12% shift in the right direction. But if you try to change 12% of one thing, it's overwhelming for some people, right? 
So a lot of people, they, they focus in on that massive goal and I guess they don't figure out a way to get to, like just change a small habit mm-hmm. to get them there. I was actually playing uh, beer league hockey with a friend and he, you know, he said, I'm roughly 60, 80 pounds overweight. And he says, uh, um, I'm not going to play hockey again until I lose this weight. And I said, so let's just, let's just, I'm going to rephrase it back to you. So you're going to lose the weight to play hockey. He goes, exactly. And I said, what else do you do? Well, n- not a lot right now, but I said, maybe play hockey and as part of that. Mm-hmm. But it was funny how he, he thought mm-hmm. his mindset was, I have to lose the weight to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's actually not that at all. It isn't. And sometimes people have that mindset because they think they're going to get hurt, you know, or they feel uncomfortable or they're embarrassed, you know, to move their body when it when it's larger um, because they're more awkward, they're more uncomfortable. And the newsflash is that you have to be in discomfort to get results. And it doesn't matter what it is. If you, if you need to get results, there's some level of discomfort, you know. And so when it's physical fitness, it's a physical discomfort. When it's personal growth, it's emotional discomfort, right? But, you know, discomfort is, you know, when you feel it, that's an opportunity for growth. So you don't want to go over the edge, but you want to come to the edge of challenging yourself when there's discomfort. So I read a stat. It was something like 81% of people drop off the resolutions right about now, actually just heading into February. And I was wondering about that. Like, I mean, there is a significant amount of people in the gym I'm, I belong to right now. And you see the numbers ebb and flow, but they just pack in there in January, probably because December is so delicious. I mean, there's turkey, there's sweets <laughs> everywhere. Everyone has, you know, something on mm-hmm. the reception counter. And then January hits and you go on the scale and you go, oh my gosh, this is, this is awful. But is, is there, like, do you get an, an uptick in, in people in January just looking to, you know, get the beach body now, I guess? Well, our philosophy is to change lifestyles, right? So it's, it's not about a transitory dip on the bathroom scale. It's about what can we do to change your lifestyle, like really change how you show up in the world around as much as possible that's related to your physical wellness and your emotional wellness. And so that's a, a year-long process. So, you know, it really excites me when, when we have clients who keep the same lifestyle on vacation as they have been working hard on when they're here at home, right? And so the same is true for Christmas. Like, yes, indulge a little bit, but every day you're still checking your day against your odds, essentially. And sometimes people, you know, have a conditioning of, for for whatever reason, you know, the way they grew up, what was available to them, Um, sometimes scarcity even, you know, has them wanting more now because they didn't have it then. So they can, and they can, so they do, Mm -hmm. right? And that's the human nature. You know, they do it because they can. So it's always going to be in our way. And the idea, though, is for us to look at, you know, who do I emulate out there, you know, my friends, my family, you know, colleagues, whatever, and and what kind of lifestyle do they live? And there, you can tell anything about anybody based on their behavior. Their behavior will tell you everything. So if, it doesn't matter what someone says, watch them, and that will tell you exactly what their lifestyle is like. And so, you know, they're they're checking themselves with policies and systems that they have of their own, you know, for their own lifestyle. And so lifestyle you know, really needs to be consistently average, 
right? But consistently average, right? You don't go crushing it once in a while in the gym. You show up consistently average. Average turns into above average. Above average turns into good and then really good and great. And then I'm fit, you know? So those, the consistency is really key. So if, if we can look at lifestyle for longevity as opposed to a transitory dip on the bathroom scales after putting it on in December, then um, we're going to have continuous results and people are going to feel better all year round instead of just these spontaneous time. And, and I, I hear that. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people that I love playing pickleball. I love playing hockey. Um, gym is tougher, but I know I need that. And yoga is tougher, but I need that to do those things well enough. And, but how important is, is a rest day? Like, I mean, for, you know, our, our mutual friend, Jim check, works out seven days a week because I think it's a mental thing for him. It's mm-hmm. a habit for him. Mm-hmm. But aren't rest days important? Like I'm, I'm getting into my 50s. Isn't that a, a key part of this as well? Sure. Um, rest is 50% of your res- results depending on what your goal is. So if somebody is training for the sport of health or life, you know, just general living, then um, you can have an exercise program every day. It just can't look the same every day. So you might have a strength routine, and it might be a full body strength routine Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, you're doing more of an aerobic cardio routine that could be a combination of steady state exercise in a, you know, zone two heart rate and, and or it can be a combination of that with an interval training cardiovascular um, workout. So maybe you take a hit class on one day and, you know, the next day you're riding a bike for a little while for cardio on that other day. But in between, you can do your strength program. But moving every day is the lifestyle we're talking about. And it doesn't have to be crushing it. It just needs to be activity that can be, you know, mowing your grass with push mower, you know, and raking. It can be, you know, going for a hike with your kids or mountain biking on the rail trail or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, but consistently moving your body. And that's what the stats tell us, you know, that you need to have, you know, you know, 160 hours of activity, you know, and that's so we want to divide that up into the course of the week and make it work. So but we really need to be moving and the mindset that people have that of being afraid to get into a gym because it's going to be too much is because it is too much. So we got to break it down into pieces. Right. And so that goal of your friend who's looking at that 60 pound weight loss is like that's a great, you know, uh, audacious goal for out there for your the hairy audacious goal. However, there are, there's these sub goals that need to take place in the meantime. So every month, you know, if we look at what's a healthy weight to lose to keep it off, let's take a pound a week, for example. So every month, let's see the scale go down four pounds, right, in a month. Well, if you look at that over for 60 pounds, how many months is that going to take, right? So that's how long the goal will take for the hairy audacious goal. However, all these sub goals are something for us to reach for each month, something to set ourselves, our sights on and have action steps to work towards that. And we chisel away at it, but it's not this, you know, um, this lifestyle that's going to be so overwhelming to keep the pace up to lose more than 44 pounds a month. Right. So let's double it. Let's say it's, you know, eight or 10 pounds a month. Well, that that's just ridiculous. People can't sustain that. I mean, some people could. There's those outliers who are just going to crush it and, you know, drop that weight sooner, faster. Um, but this research shows us that that doesn't stay off. 
and again, there are the people that it will because they're outliers, but in general, it's really hard to maintain the lifestyle that it took to lose 10 pounds a month. Mm -hmm. But you can maintain the lifestyle it takes to lose four pounds a month. Right. There's the difference. A lot of people I, you know, I chat with and, and as I move through the community, they just talk about their time. I don't have any time for that. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I can't find the time. I have kid issues. I have, you know, I have to, you know, clean the house. I have to, you know, they're, they're, they're pulled in so many different directions. What do you say to, you know, that, that kind of person who's wants to be better, knows that it's better for them mentally as well as physically, but they just fundamentally, they just can't seem to find the time. And, and get, don't get me wrong. I know exactly what they mean because, mm -hmm. you know, there's times when you go, I, life is crushing me and I just can't seem to get a breath. Mm -hmm. What, what would you tell someone like that? Well, I would tell them that it doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take a lot to improve your wellness. Well, if we're talking performance and upper level fitness, sure, you've got to put in some, some good hours, but general wellness to um, keep you lean as long as you're looking at your nutrition as well as your physical activity because the two have to go together particularly if you're overweight and you want to lose body fat um, you can't do it by exercise alone you have to have you know a lifestyle of nutrition that's going to um, complement the effort that you put in the gym because it's that's maybe only one hour or a half an hour or 20 minutes whatever the time you have so what about the other 23 and a half hours of the day what's happening so if you're if your behavior and your habits and your lifestyle isn't supporting what you say you value which is a healthy body weight then you're not going to get the results that you want so the first thing is to decide what do you want and why do you want it so if you can really sit with yourself and go through the process and write it down even, you know, get through the layers of why is this important to me? Why is losing this weight? You know, I'd say to your, your buddy, like, you know, why is losing this weight important to you? And what's it, how's your life going to change when you don't have this weight on? Mm -hmm. Who else is going to be impacted by this besides you? And how are you going to be impacted? So there's the conversation around really getting the person to understand, do they really want it? Mm. Right? And are they going to make it a value of theirs as opposed to just this thing that they're thinking about. I had a friend who, um, he had his stomach stapled mm -hmm. and, uh, he, we, we were on a walk in Kelowna and I said, man, Jimmy, we never had walks before. And he goes, dude, you ever carry around a hundred pound suitcase? Mm -hmm. He said, that's exactly what it was like a hundred pounds ago is he said, I had all this weight. It was very uncomfortable to walk. It was like my, my knees and my ankles, they got sore. So he says, I actually like walking. Mm -hmm. I just didn't feel like doing that with this 100-pound suitcase. Absolutely. Yeah, that brings me to a story of a client that I had. And um, this was a cancer survivor and came in, and, and she was very overweight and worked with me um, for a period of probably a little over six months and um, just kept chipping away at the weight and lost a considerable amount of weight. She was down 50 pounds at this point in time. So I put a, a vest on her, a 40-pound vest on her and just to get her to walk around as part of a postural exercise and then I dropped my pencil <laughs> off my clipboard in front of her and I said oh can you grab that I'm just gonna go get something over here and she went over to grab it and she fell over with the weight on Liz you're so mean <laughs> so I mean she didn't fall over and hurt herself but you know she like went down tipped and kind of rolled over like a turtle so I, uh, I went over, I picked her up and took the vest off and I said, so I just wanted to remind you of that was the weight that you were carrying around 
for decades and then some, right? So near brought tears to her eyes. And to this day, we still talk about it, right? And she mm-hmm. talks about that. She talks about, you know, that realization of like, wow, yeah, I was carrying this around. And that's why we exercise. That's why we, you know, train or that's why we lose the weight. It's to do the fun stuff better, mm-hmm. you know? Recently, I posted um, on my social media um, this uh, little bulletin that said, this is why I used to train. Right? And it was a picture of myself finishing a race on my mountain bike, which is my jam. And then the next post was, um, and this is what I train for now. And it's a picture of myself and my little grandson playing hopscotch, riding a bike, riding a Mac ride with him in front of me, holding the handlebars, and then doing push-ups at the playground. Right. You know, like, you're, you got to figure out what is going on for you in your world and why do you need to keep your wellness up, upper bar. You know, and everybody's different. So when you come in to talk to me, it's about why are you here? How can I help? Well, I know I have a healthy dose of self-loathing, so that helps. (laughs) Uh, I'm vain and I'm competitive. (laughs) Yeah, there's all that. But, you know, that's what I was referring to is like I used, you know, the competitive spirit that I had. I I still I still want to train hard for things that I enjoy doing, but it's to make the fun stuff better. So it's more community riding and community socializing and coaching my chicks and sticks, you know, with mm-hmm. mountain biking and stuff like that. But, you know, we have to reel in some of those things to make it more real- realistic um, for um, injury reduction and for longevity so that we, you know, aren't putting ourselves out physically and i get that it's just so abstract like i mean if i'm trying to convince someone and it seems like um just something so nebulous that they can't seem to attach to like the non-injury thing Mm -hmm. because i i know through different health professionals that come on people forget how they used to feel so when they they come out of an illness or something like that they go Oh, and they f- almost forget how they used to be, mm-hmm. and and so it's not tangible. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not tangible enough. So, mm-hmm. I guess the the beautiful thing that you probably do with people is really try and make that a, like attached to that. Like you're going to feel better, you're going to have more activity. But is it visualization that you need to do with these with people that want to change? Sometimes, but often it's just the conversation. You know, it's really getting them to think about why they're there, and they you know if they're coming for help that they also um, count on the expert, like rely on, you know, I'm not going to get you to do something that I don't think is going to be effective for what you've just said, you've told me what you want to have happen, mm-hmm. right? So if, you know, it's particularly like if somebody is more of an experienced person and they're, they just have a, a specific goal and I'm going to, you know, dial in, this is exactly, you know, what you need to do. And, but somebody who is, brand new, you know, level entry, not experienced in weight training, it's a completely different um, uh, prescription, right? And and the onboarding of that, we call it a, a ramp up, um, where they just, they come in and they have to sort of ease their way into things because they are inexperienced, they're not confident, they're uncomfortable. And so we want to make them comfortable with their bodies first. And if you just slam them with a workout, the general workout, um, that's not going to be something that they're going to start to feel good about themselves in because it still feels uncomfortable. They still aren't confident and they feel like they're in a fishbowl, you know, with, with the work that they're doing around everybody else. So every person is unique and you have to figure out what's going to work for that person. So you listen. 
it's uh, that resonates with me because I was invited by a friend who had another friend that was starting up a, new, a studio. So I arrive there, and I've always been with the media. So you know, he says, uh, "Oh, okay, uh, we'll we'll give you the the media workout." And I was like, well, "I don't know what that means." He gave me a basketball or a, sorry, a weight ball. I had to sprint 100 yards like this. I I literally just got out of my vehicle, 100 yards to a stop sign and then back. And then I had to do as many squats as I could in in under two minutes or how many that was. And anyway, I I was just in this intense workout for an hour. And the next day I couldn't get out of bed. (laughs) And and I was so mad about that because I I had a racquetball that day and, and I couldn't play. And it upset me that training inhibited my the stuff that Your I really stuff. wanted to do mm-hmm. so that stuff and and I I don't know why this happens with certain gyms but they feel compelled to say no this, this is the hard stuff like this is the stuff that's really going to mm-hmm. test you not realizing that intake can really push people away absolutely that's exactly what it does and it's unfortunate because a lot of times that stays with that person sometimes forever and it's a barrier to re-entry to the to fitness and to mm-hmm. really wellness first so that's i think you know the the biggest advice to give is to let's look at your wellness first you know and what are your what are your bright spots what are you doing already you know, mm-hmm. and that that's another, you know, important factor that I'd like to hear and and praise them on those things. Because, yeah, you, there's so many things you're doing right. Like embrace that. Like that's great. You know, you're, you're further ahead than you think you are because this is happening and this is happening. And so is this, you know, and where we need to reel you in is on this. And so sometimes the question is, do you like to work, you know, one on one or do you like to work in a group? You know, like what do they like to do? And and that's. I think the, you know, the, the stepping stone for them to move into other things, you know, that they do. I remember, you know, years ago when we first started the Chicks in the Sticks program for mountain biking for women, it was all about community and fostering, you know, the, the outdoor program and getting women into mountain bikes. Um, however, it changed lives. Some of these women are now doing, you know, 50, 50 mile races and, and they couldn't they had to push their bikes up these hills and they celebrate now all of these lifestyle things that they've, they've chosen to do now based on this level entry progressive program that got them confident on a bike which then allowed them to think oh i'm maybe going to take a running clinic and that they moved into that and then that led to something else and and now they're you know they're crushing all these different you know activities just because they were led by the hand for a little while until, you know, they were able to take the training wheels off essentially. Right. (laughs) And that's how you do it in the gym too. It's no different. It's no different. People need to hear that you are alongside them. And, and the other part is, you know, it's not just about the workout. It's about what's going on in your life. And that's sometimes where the nutritional aspect comes in and then the other emotional aspect comes in because if somebody's overwhelmed with, you know, something, challenging emotionally um, it's hard it's hard to you know focus on you know the other things that are important that they say that they're important in terms of their values because this other thing is you know completely taking them down and would you say that a lot of people need an accountability partner so someone that may or may not share the same fitness goals but this is somebody that will hold them at least their feet to the fire 
whenever it gets challenging? Because, you know, we all fall off this wagon. I, I mean, I do. And, and is that something that's almost necessary? Or I guess it's based on the person, I guess. It is based on the person. The industry um, uh, report just came out this last couple of months, two mo- month ago maybe. And the average length of, of um, stay for a member in a gym is about eight months for the gyms that are doing it right. And that's, it's too short. It really, you know, we want to see somebody in that setting for over a year for, for them to adopt that change in lifestyle, right? And so it takes that long, you know, to have the accountability, whether it's with a friend, with just having a gym membership, that sort of thing. I mean, there's lots of people who don't. There's people who last a month. But in general, you know, the people who are making progress, you know, are are staying longer. They're staying at least mm-hmm. eight months. And, and that's the average. And there are all kinds of people. I have had clients for 20 years. One of my clients is celebrating over 3,000 workouts. You know, like that's a, that's a long time. And, um, and this is a 70-year-old woman who is lifting weights, you know, of a 25-year-old woman. And, and would you say that for women, and maybe, maybe men too, but uh, osteoporosis, like, is that a, a thing to make sure that you incorporate weights into every workout? Is mm-hmm. that something you advocate? Oh, yeah. And particularly as we age, because we lose not only uh, bone mass, but we lose muscle mass just because we're aging and for no other reason, right? We, um, particularly women, our um, estrogen 2, estriodile, um, is depleting, you know, and that's, that is the, um, the hormone that helps us maintain our mass, maintain our, um, our musculature. And when it, we don't have it in our body, we need to do something to replace it. And the thing to do to replace it is to lift heavy stuff, right? And I mean, heavy. So we're not just doing an endurance program with women. We're lifting weight that isn't going to make them a bodybuilder, but they're going to feel, you know, quite tired, you know, maybe in seven and a half, eight out of 10 after lifting 10 repetitions. So they have to be taught lifting an eight pound and a 10 pound weight really well mm-hmm. so that they can build up to lifting and, and really well with 15 and 18 repetitions for, you know, internalizing how to do that well. And then once we have that foundation built, it's like, okay, now we got to lift some heavy stuff because we got to grow that muscle and keep the muscle you have because it's going to disappear if you don't. And that is fact that's science so mm-hmm. we can't you know we can't run from the science so yes we got to lift heavy stuff osteoporosis menopause you know is really a tough place for that we're doing a menopause program for women um right now it's a six-week program it's education and a training session so it's 45 minutes of training and then 15 minutes of an educational component around menopause because it's real it's a it's a tough place for women to be and we need to educate them and get them feeling confident in their bodies again and explaining why this stuff is going on and what you can do to not reverse it because you're going to have to get through menopause but to minimize the impact that menopause can have on a woman's body and their ability and capacity to be well, to be agile, to live longer and better in that life that they're living longer. I would say in the last few years, health and 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 as a result of that has become even more, I, I would say, gotten a bigger profile. Mm-hmm. I was in the gym just prior to uh, a gym shutdown and uh and I, I, I was hearing these these guys, I'm in the guy's dressing room, and they're in their 20s and, you know, younger, and and they were all just panicky. 
they were all just going, man, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I really need this. And I felt bad for every individual in there about, you know, these shutdowns, which keep us safe and everything else. But it was fundamentally one of those tough things to do of, I think people started to realize how important activity was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I had Ron Matusi on uh, the show and he was talking about the Parkinson Rec Center and, mm-hmm. and the money invested in that. And he says, a lot of people don't understand that that 160 million when you start equating it to healthcare when he says really fundamentally that's what that's that what's amenity for. is mm-hmm, he exactly. says it's keeping our, our people active and he says that that helps a community the more people we get active in the in the November through February phase of our of our season that's going to help us that's going to increase the the flexibility and capacity of KGH. Like he says, you got to equate the two. No question. Mm-hmm. Prevention's everything. And that's what I was explaining about the menopause program is that, you know, we want to prevent. And the only way we do that is to have the foresight to know that it's going to get crappy down the road unless you're doing something to offset the crappiness. <laughs> right? Well, there's a lot of crappiness sometimes. <laughs> Just, you know, in terms of you know, moving your body, because, like, you know, inevitably we know where we're going in terms of aging, but we can sure slow those things down. And that's why you have people, you know, 60 is the new 70, 70 is the new 80 kind of thing, because those people are taking really good care of their health mm-hmm. physically, nutritionally, right? Lifestyle behaviors, you know, no smoking, sleeping well. Sleep is another huge thing that we talk about. And these are all factors that we, we track, you know, you can't measure what you don't track. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, if if what, you know, part of the questions are, you know, how do you sleep? How long do you sleep? You know, um, what, and, and, and why don't you, or why do you kind of thing? Right. And, um, that is going to play on your next day and the day after that, right? If, if you're not getting great sleep. So, you know, we have little hacks to make sure that, you know, they're following a sleep routine, just like you would put an infant down with a routine. We have mm-hmm. to have our own routines as well. And, you know, um, blue light is crushing a lot of people's um, deep sleep, right? So trying to talk to them about, um, you know, uh, their devices and getting off devices early enough so that they can settle into, you know, that circadian rhythm and they can sleep, fall asleep quickly, stay asleep, get into their REM sleep, and then wake up refreshed instead of dragging their carcass out of bed. I had this discussion with my daughter uh, last night, actually, where I, she has this uh, game on her phone where she looks after a farm. So she grows yes, corn and, one. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, all this other stuff. And uh, I said, "Hun, don't don't touch it. It's ten thirty. You need to go to bed." And she goes, "No, Dad. It's just two minutes. I just need to take take care of the farm." And good job, developers, by the way, because you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you 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 poach these <laughs> these kids that have empathy. But anyway, um, it, she was going. Ah, I just need a couple of minutes. And I said, "No, actually, hun, that's all you need to stay up. Like, because you're looking after. You're actually organizing the farm." And whenever I do laundry late at night and I'm folding things, I stay up because of my mind goes, mm-hmm. you're doing stuff, so I need to be aware here. Yep. And it's interesting you say there's there's a pattern to that. And I, I'm never, I'm not as mindful as I should be about that hour 
Is it an hour or two about hours? About 45 minutes before, okay. um, you know, getting right off a screen altogether. I mean, ideally longer would be great, but let's start with 45 and see how we go, right? And keeping this, the screen, you know, the phone not by your bedside, like put it in, a, you know, the bathroom, another room, whatever the case may be, so you're not tempted to go out. Also, what, what is really helpful um, is to r- physically write down, have a notepad, you know, beside your bed and just write a few things to get them right out of your head, mm-hmm. you know, and and put them down because that helps you get to sleep faster. Right. I just um, read the other day that wearing socks to bed might help you sleep faster. Come on. Yeah. Really? Wearing socks to bed, yeah. I'm going to dig in a little deeper because I didn't have time. I'm like, oh, I'm going to try that. And, and I actually did that night. And I did have a good sleep, but I was pretty tired. So You, you know why? It adds to the socks appeal. <laughs> Nice one. Bada bing, bada bing. All right, we'll be back with more uh, Liz Sage. We've got to talk about the people that make this program possible. Let's talk about Kelowna Now. Uh, You want news delivered to your inbox seven days a week before 7 a.m. Subscribe to KelownaNow.com by visiting the site and subscribing. D6 Print Studio. Let's talk about that. When, When my son, he hates this story, by the way. When he was about five years old, everything was D. Like, that's the only word that would come out of his mouth was happy, D sad d so anyway d meant everything to him d6 print studio could mean everything to your business why don't you give them a call large format printers they can wrap anything get anything going for you uh there are friends that uh they supply this really sparkly stuff called jewelry unexpected gifts those are the best gifts to give Pereira.com. they're down on tut street back in a bit with more Liz sage Okay, we're back with more Liz Sage. I want to talk to you a bit about fasting. I was listening to a podcast. You and I are both uh, big appetites for podcasts. Why wouldn't you? They're so good. Anyway, um, we were talking and we were listening to this podcast about fasting and how important it is. Um, Mark Wahlberg is one of those famous people that says, no, 16 hours, eat within eight hours, and then fast for another 16 hours. And I've I've loosely tried to follow that for the last few months. It's interesting how the body feels. Like even when I think I'm hungry, I'll have a glass of water and I can carry on a bit. But it's it's actually amazing because I, when I eat, I want something sweet afterwards. And I know that about me. So I actually stop eating for that 16 hours and, and try to incorporate this. And it, it's like I feel better, actually. Is, is eating... Um uh restricted eating is what we like to call it and so with your restricted eating choice of hours is it providing you with what you wanted it to uh i would say that i know i'm i'm weak when it comes to if i if i eat a breakfast then it's it's almost like then i start thinking about food i start you know manifesting okay i'm i think about the next meal if i wait to about, you know, eight or nine or 10 or 11, then I know that I can actually fundamentally stop eating at a certain time because I'll eat, I'm still mindful, but I'll I'll still eat pretty good during that time. And then I try to shut it down, like within that eight hours. So what that's taught you is that you can change your habits, right? Right. So the restricted eating typically has been studied on the obese population and men, right? And they're seeing results. They're, they haven't done a lot of studies on women 
And so we can't compare apples to pears. So for the obese population, it actually really is helpful in terms of uh, weight reduction Mm -hmm. and therefore health, activity, longevity, wellness, right? Um, And the same is true for, for men who are overweight and uh, but in your case, you know, with what with the uh, the goal of restricted eating, it's not necessarily to lose weight. It's to keep you on track with your weight. Yes, that's what I'm hearing. Yes. Yes. Right. So so by you changing that restrictive eating, you have changed the habits of eating, and it tells me that you're capable of changing your habits of eating, and so. If you are getting the, the right nutrition during that period and you are, you know, um, your macronutrients are in line and so on and you're feeling good, then, you know, keep on track. For some people, um, it's not the answer because they have workouts in the morning or they're, you know, mm. they're, they're training for something. That window is not going to fuel them with their carbohydrates to be able to perform better or to even have the energy. Um, and some people won't have the energy to do it. A 12-hour fast is great to, you know that's a we all should be having a 12-hour fast so that we can you know um, make sure that we are going through the ketosis and we are waking up hungry and we know we're ready to have something to eat right um, because it fuels our brain right it fuels our body and often we feel better the fact that we eat something and we tend to feel like we're hung we're hungry sooner is because we are because eating kickstarts our metabolism mm. right and as long as we are moving you know and we're not super stationary and have a real sedentary morning then our body is going to require to nutrient the you know at a reasonable four hour five hour time span uh, time span later so um so there's a lot of literature out for restricted eating and there are you know the the fours and the against and really depends on the individual person but what we do know there hasn't been a lot of studies for women um, and we can't just assume that it transfers over from mm-hmm. men to women. And there's two, there's very, there's not enough of any research done on women typically um, for most things. But we're just now starting to see more research coming to support women's health and restricted eating for women. And some women are doing it and getting results, but typically those women are quite overweight and possibly in the obese category, right? Okay. So, and is there a is there a rule of thumb to determine if you're in the obese category? So yes, I mean certainly BMI is is you know sort of one of the uh, one of the measures and waist to hip uh, measurement as well, and um, and again we can't just assume by your weight that you are obese because sometimes a person is very muscular and very um, uh, heavy boned, right? So they're more of a um, uh, an endomorph or a mesomorph in their bone structure, and that's going to have a lot more weight. So we can't just look at a person and say, oh, okay, you're obese. I mean, mm-hmm. some we can, obviously. There's some obvious ones, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're on that borderline, we still need to really look at um, the body as a whole, not its one individual part well, or, or I, one individual measure as well. I carry a lot of weight in the toilet, no question. <laughs> it's all that hockey, you know. <laughs> toilet and the hips. You know, it's all there. <laughs> um, let's let's talk a bit about, is there a bit of a list, because people are listening going, Liz, I want to, to be better, I want to have, and you talk about the goals, and I think, you know, you made a very good case for determine what you want before you get there. 
but is how much is this and i hate this word how much is this diet gonna inhibit them if they if they choose to hop on a peloton and they buy a peloton and i know sales are good like how is that going to interfere if if they you know if they don't fundamentally change their environment with their eating like yeah if so if they if they want to lose body fat if that's the goal we can't do it by exercise alone so let's just do a quick formula so there are 3500 calories in one pound of fat if i exercise for an hour aerobically let's just say i'm i may depending on my my size and how hard i'm working burn 250 to 350 calories in that hour i may all right now heavier men muscular more yes they're, they're going to do that right but <clears throat> the average person no so so i let's say i burn 250 calories right and then if i reduce 250 calories in my diet then that's going to be 500 calorie deficit a day <clears throat> over seven days that's 3500 calories that's one pound a week if i try to burn 500 calories extra by physical activity first of all it's going to be overwhelming for the average person that's a lot of work a lot right and there are people who can do it and they're generally fit and or big Mm -hmm. um so they have to burn more calories because they're moving a bigger machine um it's a lot and and to do that every day is, is not even healthy for that level of intensity but also if i go the other way and i reduce my calories by 500 every day for a calorie deficit of 3,500 calories, which is one pound of fat, that's also overwhelming. It's kind of like, I wanna eat the box it comes in, you know, the next day, because I'm, I'm, de- I'm depriving myself of a pretty quick, uh, a pretty big jump down mm-hmm. from f- 500 calories. So when I adapt my um, calorie reduction by smaller increments and then adapt, my body adapts to it, then I can determine whether I need, if I'm going in the right direction, just stay on course. But if I'm not going on direction, then, then I can maybe say, okay, well, I, need, I was eating 3,000 calories. That's double what I should be eating anyways. So 250 is not really going to make a big hit. So maybe now I can come down another 250. But I can't go from 3,000 to 1,500 and not expect my body to go into just you know this panic mode for sure and it's it doesn't know you're on a diet it thinks there's a famine and it wants you to go kill a woolly mammoth right so it's going to actually hoard and and slow down your metabolism and not allow you to burn um, the fat that you have in storage because it doesn't know when its next meal is going to come because it's such a deprivation from what you started with so we like like we onboard people and ramp them up in the gym in this progressive thing we do the same for nutrition we you know we bring it down you know slowly in a in a way that they're going to be able to manage it they're not going to feel deprived not going to you know want to be binging on something and and really feel awful you know in that big drop so we have to again look at nutrition it's part of the component if we want to lose body fat right and if 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 that's not the case then sure exercise is the answer for feeling good building muscle feeling strong feeling confident in your body and uh, being able to do the fun stuff with much more ease because you have a body that's going to get you there you know i work with many retired people and um, these men and women have been busting their chops for you know years and years 
you know, earning uh, earning great retirement funds, and now they're at the place where they're able to enjoy their retirement, and they have the money to play and do things, but they don't have the body to go with it. Right. Right. And so we want to catch those Gen Xers now, you know, to be able to say, hey, you know, like be thinking about the future with your body, not just your financial um, uh, strategies, because when you get there, you want to be able to play. Right. Really play and have the you have the freedom now. So let's play with that freedom. Um, it's, it's interesting that, yeah, you talk about that because a lot of people have the resources now to travel, but then a lot of them stop because they're like, well, if I travel to this country, I don't know how my healthcare insurance will hold up. What if something happens? And they're worried about that. And, uh, a friend of mine, he looks after the finances of his father because his father says, it's not just tell me how much I can spend every month. And when he hit 70, his dad's spending went right right down to nothing because he didn't feel good about traveling anymore. And, uh, and it was funny because that's the time when he could actually fundamentally Mm -hmm. travel Mm -hmm. way more. And it's so sad to hear that, that people don't really plan for that aspect of their lives, which is I'll have more time. I'll have more resources to travel. And, and I can't Mm -hmm. because this body is letting me down. And I, I think that's that for me, especially, uh, you know, I, I know why I do the stuff I do, which is I'm fundamentally competitive. I want to do things at a good level, and and that just drives me. But for some people, thinking about something lofty like being able to actively travel doesn't really fuel them because it's, again, so far off in the distance that they can't really think that through and go, well, if I do these steps now or if I don't eat that cake, <laughs> I, I I will be able to travel. Like, it doesn't they don't transfer well, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think again, you know, it's, it's really trying to have a hard conversation with people and for them to confront themselves as well, you know, which is the hardest thing to do is to confront your own behavior. So there's a great, um, author, James Clear, who has the book Atomic Habits. And it's one of the books that I give as gifts, you know, every year I probably give away a dozen at least as gifts. And um, to clients, to friends, to perfect strangers on a plane, I passed one of my book over to somebody <laughs> flying to see my little grandson. And and it's, it's a game changer to get people to be thinking differently. And I think that's the whole thing. You know, mindset of growth as opposed to a fixed mindset, right? Like what can I do, not what can't I do? And, mm-hmm. and sometimes getting help sorting that out is, um, is, a, is a good way, to, it's, you know, it's a good investment to make so that you are clear on your path forward and you have direction. You know, you have direction that is safe, that is supported, that you can be confident in, and that's going to give you results. Mm-hmm. The results that you're looking for, not what your neighbor or your husband or your, you know, whomever is looking for, but specifically for you. And that's all really that matters is, is what you need and what you want. So sort that out first and then start looking for solutions and people that are going to be able to help you do that. So last question in real quick. So I, I talked to parents and they're like, man, I can't get my kid to eat well. And, and I, I wish this for them and, and I want them to feel better at school and, and to have the, the, you know, the fuel to, to learn. And then I talked to spouses who were like, man, I wish my, wife husband would do more because you know they're getting a little bit puffy and 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 we need them to be less puffy is there any and it's so tough to manage somebody else and i hey listen i know that too 
is is there any kind of thought process or or way to I guess drive that bus without coming across as overreaching. Yeah, for sure. And those are two different things. Working a parent to a child as opposed to a partner to their spouse. Um, two different conversations, two different strategies in terms of you know working with each of those people or asking, re- making a request of those um, for the kids. I'd get somebody in between the parent and the child, and typically a coach, you know, or somebody who's going to have a little more clout than the parent sure. just because the child's going to see them more as the expert while well, the parent probably knows as much sometimes mm-hmm. um, and then for the spouse um, it comes from an I perspective you know I really want to do these things with you I really want to you know have longevity and fun and play and so on and I'm worried um, that we are not going to be able to achieve that together and I'm going to miss that you know that just what's who's going to be impacted by that person not growing and staying well and fit Mm -hmm. well I am because if you can't come along it's going to alter what's happening for me too and I don't want that but I want you also to have the same you know enjoyment um, pursuits, adventures, fun, connection, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, closeness, uh, yeah, all of that. I want it to. I want it together. So we're going about it the wrong way in terms of the way we communicate to that partner. Usually, it comes out with criticism, judgment, and contempt, <laughs> right? And what yeah, we need trifecta. are the opposites of that, right? What we need is empathy and compassion, and make a request instead of a complaint. So don't just buy her a uh, gym membership. No, 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 no. But but you could ask her. You know what what would what would she like to do in order to increase her activity and feel stronger and, and you know more agile and mobile and so on and so forth. Like has she thought about something she would like to do? Mm. It may not be what you want to do, and that's okay because we need independent lives anyways. And so you don't need to be doing exactly the same thing all the time. But what you do need to be doing is moving and moving often and moving well. Liz Sage, everybody. We'll, we'll have to get you back because this is just a lot of fun. Uh, thanks so much for sharing the time. I know you got a busy schedule, so I'll let you out. But uh, thanks for sharing this insight. You are so welcome. Loved it.